0: Released in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, January 27, 1974. The text is Luke, the fourth chapter, the eighteenth verse. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Turn in your Bibles now to Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to begin reading at the 16th verse. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he went to the synagogue, as his custom was on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing thus ended today's lesson when you take the time to read about them in the fifth book of the new testament the acts of the apostles we cannot help but see a similar experience that occurred to most, if not all, of the Apostles. Yes, sooner or later, Peter, Paul, Silas, and many other of the Apostles for one reason or another, at one place or another, found themselves in prison. Now, for us, state Presbyterians, it's rather hard for us to accept that these great saints of the church were sometimes jailbirds. But that's exactly what they were. They knew what it was to be in prison. And all of them, at different times, at different places, and in different jails, all of them experienced the similar experience of knowing release from that prison. I'm sure it is not by accident that each one of them, at night, while in prison, They had a miraculous, magnificent, marvelous, mysterious experience with the living, powerful Presence of God that literally broke the chains which held them and bound them, and which flew open the gates of the prison and gave them freedom. (laughs) You ought to remember that. Because I think we can find great comfort and great support and great help those of us who are trying to be twentieth-century apostles when we realize that the first-century apostles not only knew what it was to be in prison, but in prison knew what it was to meet the power and the presence of God. Because all of us, I think, from time to time, we cannot help, sooner or later, find ourselves in some form of a prison. And may I remind you, one does not have to be cast into jail to be a prisoner. I know people who are prisoners in their own homes who feel like prisoners at their own work, who seem like prisoners to themselves and people who are prisoners to evil thoughts and fleshy desires and ruinous habits. I know people who feel like they are in prison even when they are in the midst of a crowd. When they feel like a stranger in the midst of friends, you know, it's even possible to feel like a prisoner in church. And I don't know why, but for some reason or another, I have been led to believe that some of you here today are feeling what it is like to be a prisoner. For some reason, maybe it's because of your own sin, your own stupidity, your own stubbornness. Maybe it's because of no fault of your self. perhaps because of some circumstance, because of some limitation, because of what is happening in your family or with your friends. For some reason or another, you feel like your back is up against a wall. You feel like you are imprisoned. And Presbyterians, like other Christian people, don't like to be imprisoned. We don't like it because, first of all, we we feel that it cannot help but ruin us. Because of our pride, we cannot help but feel that imprisonment is wrong. We feel that we have not only erred greatly, but that everyone else will look at us and mark us once and for all as a prisoner if we dare admit that we're in trouble, we need help, and we feel imprisoned. So consequently, it's very difficult for some of us to believe, like the first apostles, that even in prison, you can have a powerful, majestic magnificent experience with God. Maybe it's our society that has changed it. I know many in our society who are trying to change it, but you see, prisons are not just to be places where criminals are put, but where people are rehabilitated. This is a place not where you are to be ruined, but where you are to find a new life. And no matter why you may feel you are in prison today, believe me, God works in your prison. He works in mysterious and wonderful ways. He works usually in ways that are hard for us to readily understand. I think, first of all, it is only when we are in prison that we are able to find that one necessary requirement that we have to have, if any of us, is to learn about our lives. You see, there's one thing that all of us has to do. If we are going to learn about life and that is to take time and one of the things that a prisoner always has is time i haven't been in too many jails or penitentiaries but the ones that i have been in they have impressed me and depressed me because of their stark silence Every time I've been in one, when they unlock a door and clang it shut and you walk across a marble floor, it's kind of an eerie experience because in prison, you know you're all alone. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it was a year ago today when that agreement was signed that enabled our American troops to come home from Southeast Asia and which eventually brought our prisoners of war back to America. But do you remember some of the testimonies which those prisoners gave, those who have told us something of those horrible years and months in prison? They said one of the most difficult things to do was to fill the time. <coughs> Some of them did calisthenics. Others went to school. Some of them even, remember, they tried to write the Bible from memory. But they knew that if they did not use their time somehow constructively, they would be individuals who would lose their sanity. Now, most of us, you see, are individuals who are too busy to sit down and to reflect on what we are doing in life. It seems we're either at one extreme or the other. We are so earnest in trying to win a prize, fight a war, become victorious in a battle, or we are at the other end of feeling like a prisoner that either we do not have enough time to reflect upon life or we have too much time to reflect upon life. I guarantee you this, no one of us will reflect upon life any quicker or more easily than when we feel like a prisoner. So remember that. Prison gives to all prisoners an opportunity to find that one element which is necessary to reflect upon life. Time not intended to be a pun, you see, but when you're in prison you serve time. Another thing that we do when we are in prison, we have the opportunity to begin life again. You know, that's wonderful. There are very, very few places where an individual can start life all over again. And one of them is in prison. Once you feel as though you are in prison, the doors are shut against you, your back is up against the wall, you see, you really have nothing to lose. And when you're in that situation, then you are in a position where you can be born again where you can, as many of us would like, start all over again, where we can become a new person, where we can be a new being. Now, this happens, you see, when we are in prison. And unless we are in prison, probably some of us will never know what it is to begin life again. God sent Jesus Christ to be the one who is the enabler for us to begin life again. It's when we believe in him and what he has done that we are born again. He came, you see, because the Lord had anointed him. And he came not just to bring recovery of sight to the blind, but he came to proclaim release to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, he came to those who are in prison, and you realize that when he walked the face of this earth, the only people who recognized him were the prisoners. Pilate didn't recognize God in Christ. But that did not recognize God in Christ. The people who were the leaders of the land did not recognize God in Christ. But the prisoners did. The prisoners, like Mary Magdalene, who who knew what it was to be imprisoned in the desires of the flesh, who were in prison like little Zacchaeus who was so inferior in his feelings that he found himself up in a tree. People who, who were in prison because they thought the way to life was through robbery and through stealing and through deceiving. People who were in prison In particular, sicknesses or in handicaps, like blind Bartimaeus. These were the individuals who recognized in Jesus Christ the key that unlocks any prison door. These are the ones who heard him say that he could release them from prison, that he could give unto the oppressed liberty and freedom. He's the one, and you see, ladies and gentlemen, unless we ourselves get in prison somehow, some way, no matter where that prison is, it's doubtful whether or not we will ever realize how to begin a new life and how we can prepare. For life of the lusty. Because you see, that's another thing that we can learn in prison. Not only to stop and look to see how we have been living and know the opportunity through Jesus Christ on how to begin a new life. But the wonderful thing is that this is one of the ways that God enables us. To find a life that shall never end and which will be reunited with others in the heaven above on the day of judgment. That's what prison can do for you. Jesus, God Himself in person, said that there are several things here in this life that we must do before we can be assured of a place in heaven. And among those things he announces six distinct necessary jobs which we must do here on earth if ever we are in heaven to be numbered with the sheep instead of the goats. You read about it in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Jesus says that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him he will gather all the nations, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world. Well, I was hungry. Number one. And you gave me food. I was thirsty, number two, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, three, four, I was naked, and you clothed me, but I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me. You see, it's not very hard, is it, to give someone who is hungry a bite of food or someone who is thirsty a drink of water. It's even easier just to say hello to someone who is a stranger. It's a little more costly to take off your coat or to go out and buy clothing for someone who is naked, and it takes a little time to go to a hospital or to a sick home and visit someone who is ill, but the most difficult requirement that Jesus makes of those of us who want to be sheep is to go to prison and visit those who are in prison. Now, how do you do that? There's only one type of person, I think, that goes to the prisoners in this life and who do them any good. It's that individual who has spent time in prison himself and who has found through Jesus Christ the way to the new life, who has found in the Lord himself the key that unlocks the door to the prison. And he goes and he proclaims Jesus Christ as the one who can release the captives and Bring freedom to the oppressed. That's who. And I really think that maybe one of the reasons why the church is suffering today in its evangelism program is simply because some of us have not been to prison to know that new life ourselves, or we are neglecting our responsibility by going to those who are in prison today and tell them how to get out. I believe it's George Sweezy who says that evangelism, the job of the Church and of each Christian, is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. To put it in another illustrative way, I really think that evangelism can also be a redeemed prisoner telling one who is experiencing imprisonment how to find freedom. Some of us, I'm afraid are not doing a very good job in trying to unlock the doors of other people's prisons. And maybe that's one of the reasons we're having such a difficult time today. The brother Bob Kennedy has a sign hanging in his office downtown that I've admired for a long time because it's so truthful. it says if you were arrested for being a Christian, will there be enough evidence to convict you? And I think this is the thing that is the key to life. Are we proclaiming, those of us who claim we have the new life in Jesus Christ, to those who are experiencing prison, some form of it, either in their homes or in their communities or in their personal lives. The key that unlocks every door, Jesus Christ, the only one who can proclaim release to the captives and who can give freedom to the oppressed. Ladies and gentlemen, no one of us knows exactly when we're going to feel as though we are imprisoned. Some of us have felt it already, and others of you are going to feel it pretty soon. But the main reason that I have preached this sermon and have felt led to preach it is simply this no matter what day or night you find yourself imprisoned, no matter how you got there. Just remember this one thought, God is working in that prison, either to help you to stop and to look at your life and the way you're living now. Or he's trying to prepare you to introduce you to a new way of life through him. Or he's trying to help you to find eternal life by helping to unlock that door for someone else. Never forget that. And whether we be in prison or in church
1: or in heaven, we'll be together. Amen.
0: Our Father and our God, we're thankful for every gift in life, and we ask that your Spirit, your Spirit, will heal, will releases, us, sets us free. It enable us not only on the bright days, but the dark days like this. Give us your grace to set us free. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of His Holy Spirit be abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.